Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Hey everybody and welcome back to Now and Again. I'm your usual co-host Nico and today I'll be filling in the big guy chair. Chris is going to take this episode off leaving me to my own devices but of course I'm never really by myself. I wouldn't be able to handle an episode without some awesome help from amazing co-hosts and today those amazing co-hosts are going to be filled in by second time contributor Jonah. Hello everyone. And first time full co-host but I think this is probably his millionth background episode. Mm -hmm. Kevo. Leaning in this time. Right. So I'm super excited that I got these guys here, and for a side B, we like to do something a little bit different, and we like to play against uh, type or investigate the format of our show a little bit further, and I think I've come up with something really fun. This episode is set to air on December 15th, so I decided to take a look back at the last 20 number ones in December 15th. I then had a, a bit of a number snafu and realized that I can't count and wound up with 21, but I'm kind of okay with that. So, part of our experiment today is going to be to see if these number one songs are really memorable. Kevo, having lived through that era of pop music with me, is going to be able to tell you whether or not he remembers them from back in the day, and Jonah is going to be able to provide a perspective of somebody a little bit newer to this music and see if these songs translated across the generational barrier. So, guys, how's everybody doing? Jonah, how you hanging in, man? I've been doing pretty good. I'm ready to talk about some music. I know it's a change of pace from our usual talking about comics, but I'm ready to do this too. Yeah, absolutely. We're uh, not. We're talking about comics uh, twice a month over on X's for Podcast, where you can check out our breakdown of the Uncanny X-Men franchise, starting with Giant Size X-Men number one, along with amazing co-hosts like Kyle, of course, Jonah and Kevo. We're knocking out like six to ten issues every other week, just hanging for the ride. Some of it's great, some of it's terrible, but all of it is obsessively fun. Now, Kevo, I know we just launched mcu.html. How you doing, pal? Doing pretty good. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing great. You excited to talk pop music? Yeah, very much so. All right. Well, without further ado, let's jump into it. In 1997, on December 15th, the number one song was Candle in the Wind, paired with a, sec- with a second A-side, Something in the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John. Now, this song has a fantastic history. This song has been dedicated three times. Three? Really? Yes, three times. The first time it was dedicated to Marilyn Monroe, who it was written for. Mm-hmm. Then in 1991 or 1992, Elton John had a sick fan who had contracted HIV, I believe through a blood transfusion, And Elton John rededicated the song in his honor, I believe, to help raise money toward his hospital bills. Then, of course, very famously in 1997, the song was re-released in honor of Princess Diana, a good friend of Elton's. Now, Kevo, if I'm not mistaken, you worked a lot of shitty retail jobs where you were forced to listen to Light FM. Yes, I was. Kevo, what is your relationship with Candle in the Wind and Something About the Way You Look Tonight by Elton John? Uh, I've definitely heard both of these songs a lot. Uh... Both versions of Candle on the Wind, of course. Uh, I was actually not aware of the middle version before, so that's interesting. Uh, I was also very surprised to learn that something about The Way You Look Tonight is 1997. I could have sworn it was much earlier in Elton John's career. It sounds very similar to his classic music, but no, as a matter of fact, it was 
for this record. I do just want to jump in and note that the 1991 or 1992 re-release was not a re-record. Okay. I believe it was just a remaster of the existing record. Interesting. Now, Jonah, uh, I know you're a big Parks and Rec fan, so I know you know 5,000 Candles in the Wind. But tell me, what's your relationship with Candle in the Wind? Just the one candle. Just the one candle. Um, so I've actually never listened to the song itself, at least of what I can remember. However, the song is so famous and well-known that I knew I knew the trivia facts that Nico just went over. Though That was in my memory. I've known those facts about them. So I find it so interesting that from a song I've never heard, I know more about the legacy of the song than the actual song itself. Yeah. Well, from a song that you've never heard to a song that I'm sure you've never even known existed... Um, I'm Your Angel by Celine Dion and R. Kelly. Now, Jonah, were you even aware that professional woman hider on a busser, R. Kelly, had a single with Celine Dion? No. This is uh, about as shocking when I found out that, uh, coming full circle, that Elton John has a single with, I believe, Tupac? I, I, have to, I have to look into that. I know that Elton John and Eminem duetted Stan at the Grammys one year, but I'd have to look into him having a single with Tupac, though... I, I wouldn't disbelieve it in an instant. Tupac's no. been making so many great collaborations since he died. Now, Kevo, <laughs> um, do you remember this song at all? I have no memory of this song. Uh, when I listened to it, it struck like um, a, like a minor chord. Like it was okay. I could have seen that song being on the radio, but I definitely – it's not a Light FM staple for sure. I actually love this song. I've mentioned before that I'm a big R. Kelly songwriting fan, and this was from when it was okay to be a fan of his songwriting and not repulsed at your own uh, problematic faves. But this is actually a really good song. I've said it a million times on this show. R. Kelly can write a song about anything. Sometimes he just puts noises together. Sometimes he sings songs about being trapped in a closet. It always works. Uh, Unfortunately, (laughs) he turned out to be a giant garbage dump of a human being who it's not okay to like, but... Dems to breaks. Uh, that's really all we can say about that song, other than if you if you liked I Believe I Can Fly and you think you enjoy Celine Dion or R. Kelly as a vocalist, it's worth it to listen to this song. It is a really good song. Just try not to give him stream money. So that brings us to 1999 and one of, in my opinion, the most recognizable songs in the history of music. Oh my God, Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. This song literally dominated life for like five years. Yeah, this is absolutely a staple of Light FM. It's still a staple of like Z100 sometimes. Oh my God. Everything plays this damn song. Now, now Jonah, are you familiar with Smooth by uh, Santana and Rob Thomas? Uh, no. If I've heard the song, I probably didn't know it was this song. I've probably, if you sing or play me a little part of it, I might recognize it. But it, it, nothing comes to memory right now. It's the chorus where he says, it's just like the ocean from Under the Moon. It's the same, the same as the emotion the that I get from you. I get from you. It's, you yeah. The kind of you know mo- this is going to go in the episode, right? Yeah, sure. So, okay. Uh, I feel like... Like, it's 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 a really well-known uh, Grammy-winning song. Um, and I'm so glad that our performance of it uh, brought it to life for you. What are, the, like, the five different genres that that song is? It's, like, big band and salsa at the same time. And then it's, like, it's like modern rock, too. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an all-over-the-place masterpiece. It's actually a really great piece of music. Uh, I think it's a really excellent song. It maybe did make me just want to forget about it after a while, but it's yes. one of those things. Way overplayed, but, you know, beloved by everyone 
at the time and since. Oh, 100%. So without without belaboring songs that aren't super familiar to the co-hosts currently, I think we can agree that it wouldn't be an episode of Now and Again if Beyonce didn't come up repeatedly. And so 2000 ushers us right into the Beyonce era with Independent Women, uh, part two, I believe, Destiny's Child. Uh, this is just one of their most recognizable singles. It was in the Charlie's Angels soundtrack. Yes. Something tells me, Jonah, that you do know this one. (laughs) Yes, I do. I absolutely know this song. I actually enjoy this song. I love this song. It's hard not to love this song. It's a great song. They sing the hell out of it. They give a great performance. This is one of the songs that made Destiny's Child, Destiny's Child. I don't even know how much we can talk about it. I think we've talked about every element of Destiny's Child. One of the things I was hoping this episode would do would give us a chance to talk about artists that maybe time forgot. But the more I looked at this list, the more it kind of represented songs that we've already discussed or minor singles by artists we can't seem to get enough of. I think that Independent Women represents a lot of things. It's got some throwbacky vibes. It's very 2000. It is just such a 2000 song. Yes. And that also makes me realize that Beyonce's been yes. Queen Bay for like 20 years now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, she was she was the reigning queen before she was the reigning queen. Yeah. And let's let's go from a reigning queen to a guy who fell hard. In 2001, Usher had a hit with You Got It Bad. Now, this wasn't when this isn't confessions yet. This is not like world changing life taker by stormer Usher who is going to dominate music with Lil John produced Ludacris featuring Yeah. This is not when we take that and rewind it back yet. This is still Usher figuring out his sound and his style. Usher had a humongous introduction to the main stage with My Way. He'd also had a record before that which was not quite as successful. Um, then with My Way, he also had. Uh, uh, nice and slow, and he had "You Make Me Wanna." That was his big lead uh, single. He also had a particularly strong relationship with Brandy. He had been on Moesha, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Brandy's mom was also his manager, or Brandy's manager was also his manager, something like that. And there was a strong connection there, which helped get him onto TV screens and cement him as somebody that people could recognize. Usher worked hard to reach number one, so it was no shock when Usher controlled the airwaves for a number of years. He then parlayed that into reality TV, hosting gigs. Usher is truly a showman. He's kind of like... He's kind of like another Wayne Brady or another Justin Timberlake, somebody who is able to command an audience on stage, off stage, on TV. He does a really good job. It's unfortunate that he's faded from the spotlight and there's been some really unattractive things said about him and they are not attractive things he did. But regardless, Kevo, I think you told me that you don't actually really remember this song. No, not particularly. That's really interesting. Jonah, do you know this one at all? Um, no, not really. That, you know, that doesn't surprise me. This wasn't one of his major hits. But what is interesting about this song is if you go back earlier and now, I said uh, I have a deep, passionate love for Brian McKnight's Anytime. These two songs sound just exactly alike. It's crazy. Well, when I when I played the bit of uh, this video, I definitely recognized it. But I don't think that Usher was really on my radar until, yeah, probably. That's really interesting. Jonah, what's the first Usher song you remember? Or are are you just like, no, Usher's a dinosaur. I have no idea what you're talking about. I would say, yeah, but I'm more aware of just who Usher is as opposed to uh, his music record, his discography. I'm not really that familiar with the music he's made. 
I completely accept that. Or maybe like, I, I think also maybe it's, I know songs by him that I don't know that he made. I completely accept that, especially because Rush Usher was a guy who had so many people copying him on such a consistent level. So regularly, there was an Usher clone. Usher was somebody who could do it all, so everybody wanted to be just like Usher. From somebody who has songs that we kind of are like, uh, you know, I think I might remember that, to somebody that we kind of tried to get away from for a while. Uh-huh. In 2002, the number one, December 15th, was Lose Yourself by Eminem. I remember that one, yeah. Uh, Jonah, I think you actually talked about Lose Yourself on the episode you were on because we had that forgettable, like, Mockingbird song by Eminem on the episode you were on. Yes. And I think you said, you know, this is not Lose Yourself, Eminem, which I know. Yeah, exactly. This is... It's... The Lose Yourself, Eminem, as I talked about on the episode, Eminem for the end of elementary school and middle school for me, which is around when this came out, Actually, no, this came out way before that, but it made its way there uh, in that time period for me. That's what I know Eminem as, so I'm not surprised to see this song. I'm surprised it came out this early. It's always so interesting to see when things actually came out and how they're still either relevant or they gain a breath of new life, but yeah. You know, and the more we're talking about it, the more I'm kind of blown away by the next run of songs. So many of the next few songs are really unfucking forgettable and i think this really kicks it off this is tied to eight mile eminem was just about at the peak of his game at this point he had been riding high on the slim shady lp uh he and marshall mathers lp he was just such a recognizable name he had done stan he had done real slim shady so many little white boys wanted to look just like him kevo were you one of those little white boys oh goodness no no not at all but i remember them very much Kevin, do you have anything to add about Lose Yourself? Yeah, you know, just to touch back on what Jonah was saying, um, I'm, I'm, I can see where he wouldn't be surprised that this is on the list because of the, the, the longevity it has received from meme culture and the uh, mom spaghetti line and the, uh, the melody of this has de- is definitely present in a lot of memes that you see around Facebook, Tumblr. Uh, so I think it's gotten a uh, much longer life because of that. We definitely talked about it in the Rolling Stone list as well, where it was present in both versions, the original and the later one. Moving right along to 2003, we have another completely unforgettable, ubiquitous song. We have Heya by Outkast. Yes. I can't imagine anybody here doesn't know this song. Yeah, it's, I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find literally anyone on the, or on the planet that doesn't know this song. Everybody knows how to shake it like a Polaroid picture. Yeah, pretty much. Lend me some sugar. I am your neighbor. And that's what this song's legacy is. This song's legacy is memorable lines, a catchy melody, and a good feeling when you dance to it. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a pretty it's a pretty perfect piece of pop music. It's expertly crafted, it's fun, it's high energy, the performance is killer, and it sounds like nothing else in the whole wide world. There's a uh, clip using this song from the Charlie Brown Christmas special of all the kids dancing from the special. Uh, It's a Christmas tradition of mine that I like to watch it every year. It just really puts me in the spirit. So, Jojo, you were a bit younger when this song was out, and I know this song got used a lot for, like, fun kitty things, leading eventually to Yo Gabba Gabba, which, if I'm not mistaken, was created by one of the members of OutKast, Andre 3000. So... Mm. Jonah, what is? How do you feel when you hear "Hey Ya"? Is are you like seven years old playing in your? What did seven year olds play in? Uh, sadness stuff. 
yeah, sadness and stuff. That's exactly what seven-year-olds play in. Um, it's a it's a song I think I, I heard a little bit later in life. Uh, part of that was uh, due to how I listened to music. How I didn't really listen to the stations that were playing pop music until much later. I talked about it on the episode, but I really only listened to Disney Channel. This song wasn't on there. Uh, but I know who the song is. I like the memorable lines that are in this song. I didn't learn were from this song until much later. But it's a song that's like, oh no, everyone knows it's it's. I think it's a really good piece of pop music because it's also another example of a song that's pretty simple. I don't think a lot of people can sing the entire song start to finish lyrically wise, but everyone just still enjoys it. Yeah, they can make the noise. Yeah, and you know, like yeah. bits and pieces from the song, maybe. Yeah, and everybody makes the walrus noise. Oh oh. all right all right all right all right next song so from walrus noises to getting to go um there is just about no point where drop it like it's hot doesn't sound like pharrell is blowing into bottles on the seashore and it works man this song turned pharrell into an industry yeah I, I, I'd never heard anything like this. This was mind-blowing. This song is so fucking cool that... It's, it's, it's fucking amazing what Pharrell can do with so little and making noises like he's popping ping-pong balls out of his mouth. It's just such a great track. It's an eternally great track. It's an eternally lovable and memorable track. Everybody's into it. So, Kevo... Right, drop it like it's hot. I imagine was a little bit not quite on your radar at the time. It was a uh, December two thousand and four. We were still in high school, so I know you weren't quite in the hip hop scene yet. In December two thousand four. We were our first semester in college. Oh man, I'm so good at time. That's cool. That's what you got me for. It's one of those songs where the slogan. The the repeated phrase, drop it like it's hot, uh, put it into common vocabulary. So I was like tangentially aware of this song, but it wasn't one that I, I, I could probably not really sing any other line from the entire song. Yeah, and you know, I think it's really fascinating because so far we've talked about Elton John, who's had like 30 records. We've talked about Celine Dion, who is uh, an industry. Beyonce and Destiny's Child, an industry. Usher, Eminem. Snoop Dogg and Pharrell. We keep talking about massive superstars on this number ones list. It just so happens that these are all massive superstars, and I didn't get any of the weird number ones by going with this date. Now, okay, so you had said, Jonah, that you weren't really listening to pop music yet, so I imagine that Drop It Like It's Hot was something that did not come to you in Disney because there's probably no recording of Mickey being like, and if I pick, get an attitude! You know what I mean? I don't think that's out there. Oh, I wish. <laughs> um, no, this is another song that, that came to me later in life, but this is another song that I think survives a lot on a meme culture. I know there are a couple, I talk about it a lot because I am my age, uh, Vine, there are a couple of Vines that use reference this song, so I think part of that is why it's still known today, but yeah, it's another one of those songs that I didn't know at first, but I do know this song. I it's got a great message behind it, like Hakuna Matata. Yeah, just just drop it like it's hot. Just drop it, guys. Fat dog it. And from, uh, you know, getting it going on to uh, running it, Chris Brown enters the playlist at uh, 2005 for December 15th, 
And I can't help but notice, I'm making this comment of, these are all major artists. These are all artists we've talked about before. I literally don't think there's an artist on this list, other than maybe Elton John, who's never came up in a direct way, but more of a tangentially talking about, you know, music itself kind of way. This is Chris Brown and R. Kelly, the two artists that we kind of said we're not going to talk about anymore. It's really interesting to see that they both had number ones in this in this weird time period, and so did Beyonce. It's just sort of unbelievable that this list is being dominated by the people that we've already said this list is going to be dominated by. So, Kevo, tell me, Run It, do you remember Run It? Uh, not fully. Once again, when I watched the clip, I definitely recalled Run It by Chris Brown more than I recalled uh, You Got It Bad by Usher. But it was another one that I think it was more in the background, you know, on Z100. I don't think it's one that I would ever turn off necessarily, but... So, Jonah, do you have any real connection with Run It? Uh, yeah, so now we're getting to the time period where when uh, it came around to summertime, I went to a day camp. And a lot of time during this day camp is some of the events. They played a lot of pop music. So now I'm getting to a lot of points where these songs were literally played for me every single day. This is one of those songs. I didn't know the name of the song. Uh, Nico sent me a little part of it before uh, earlier. And I didn't, re- I didn't recognize it by name, but as soon as he played it, I was like, oh no, I know that song immediately. So it's, it's one of those songs for me. Yeah, I think it's a pretty memorable song. I think this is one of those songs that you might not even realize you know it. You know the squeaky noise. Yeah. Um, well, from a song that you can't quite place to a song that uh, is irreplaceable, in 2006, on December 15th, Beyonce had a mega number one with Irreplaceable, which, if I'm not mistaken, was written by superstar writer Neo. This is one of those songs that, like, I mean, I don't think you just have to say to the left and everybody goes everything you own in a box to the left. It's pivot levels of inescapable humor at this point. And, you know, it's one of those things that did make Queen Bay Queen Bay. Kevo. Irreplaceable. This was uh, out when you and I were getting to be a couple, when we were starting to know each other. Uh, this was literally the number one right before we met. <laughs> so tell me, Kevo, what are your memories of Irreplaceable? I bugged the shit out of you for like a week singing this song over and over again. You were so annoyed. I just didn't want to hear it because like, I couldn't drive to school without hearing it on every station. And I would have to, like, try and hide in a corner to get away from this song. And then there was Kevo when I would get to school being like, mm. it drove me nuts. We both went mm, at the same time. Gross. Jonah. Jonah, save me from Kevo's wrath. Save me. I made a dance and everything. Uh, I don't know if I would need to save to this wrath, but add to it. Uh, this is, I think for when I was younger, this was possibly the most popular Beyonce song that everyone knew. Uh, everyone listened to it. Outside of... Just going ahead in the list, I don't want to spoil what it is ahead. Besides that song, I think that future song that we're going to talk about in a little bit and this song are the two ubiquitous songs with Beyonce for much earlier Beyonce for people around my age. Uh, Totally. I get that. And I think it's really interesting. I don't blame you for giving slight spoilers because what's about to happen is shit's about to alternate. In 2006 and 2008, the number one belonged to Beyonce, and in 2007 and 2009, it belonged to Alicia Keys. Uh, does anybody have anything more to say on Irreplaceable before we move on to the next major moment in uh, number one's history? Nah, to the left, to the left. Yes, I would like to say, um, in the closet, that's my stuff. Please don't <laughs> Just touch don't it. touch it. Got it. Just it's, don't. It's trapped in the closet. So... <laughs> In 2007, Alicia Keys released No One, 
which was just such a super number one. Alicia Keys had already cemented herself as an R&B powerhouse and uh, America loved her and she had an incredible career at this point. And this number one was huge for her. This song was just, it dominated everything. It is not my favorite Alicia Keys song, but it is certainly a strong outing by her. And that is reflected in its uh, eternal success and continued fame. There's so many covers of this song. Mm -hmm. This song is so well regarded. Kevo, do you remember when this song was out and I played it obsessively over and over again in our dorm room? Yeah. And it was everywhere too. Jonah, are you familiar with No One by Alicia Keys? I am absolutely familiar with No One. I really love this song. I think uh, Alicia Keys' voice is absolutely beautiful. I have a little uh, anecdote about this song. So for those who've been to Disney World, there's, uh, I believe they still do it. I believe you two confirmed that they still do it. Uh, they have this event where uh, they sh- they have like daily shows of people who can get a ticket to go be on, um, oh my God, American Idol. Mm. I guess before it was canceled. And then it came back. Like, they would have auditions for people to do it. And like there'd be vote, uh, the audience would vote on it. I heard a girl try to sing this song. And not that the girl had a bad voice, but Alicia Keys' voice is so powerful. It's really hard for anyone to match her and for anyone to really, if we're going to cover it like and sing it like a Keys, Alicia Keys does it, it's really hard. You're kind of setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, it's there's certain songs I've said a million times that there's songs that just aren't worth it to cover because there's no way to match it. Though it's really funny that you say, you know, nobody should try and sing this song, but we said how many covers of it there are. It's just one of those songs that even though you know you can't blow it away and you can't take it from her, it's still just such an amazing song. Mm, like hallelujah, people just do it anyway. Yeah, they just do it anyway. There's there's no getting around it. Um and so to to bring up what Jonah said though, we we have our next Beyonce appearance, and it is probably the most recognizable pop song, in my opinion, of maybe the last 25 years. And if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Yup. In 2008, in 2008, on December 15th, Single Ladies by Beyonce was the number one song. Yes, it was. That was another song that was everywhere everywhere just inescapable top to bottom there was no there was no freedom from this song jonah at this point i imagine you were probably a little bit more in charge of your own uh, music view yes that is correct so tell me was single ladies something that you like would be like oh single ladies yeah and you would just dance your gay little otter our heart out to it or was single ladies something that you were like oh god get me away from it um, no, I think it was more a little bit of a mix in between. I used to actually hate dancing. I used to get too, I used to get like too like socially anxious and like nervous about it. But, uh, it's a song that it's, this is a song that you put, uh, you put on, everyone sings it and then everyone will try to dance to it. It's a, it's a weird song that not only is the song itself really popular, the dance moves to this song are also really popular and iconic to the point where Everyone will do them in some capacity. They're not going to match Beyonce, but they're going to do the part, the t- same parts when she does it. I do want to point out that the video is iconic and very memorable, but there was also discussion about the fact that the video is based on a Bob Fosse number from decades earlier without being credited. Yikes. Yeah, and it inspired a meme. It inspired, you know, the Single Ladies Dance Challenge, and I believe Joe Jonas uh, did a Single Ladies Challenge in the Unitard. Yeah. That um, Beyonce wears. So... 
it's just one of those songs. There's not even much we can say about it. It's just so recognizable. How do you even talk about Single Ladies by Beyonce? It's it's bigger than we are. And speaking of things bigger than we are, let's talk about New York, the concrete jungle where dreams are made of. There's nothing you can't do. There's nothing you can't do. I, I, what can't, what? I like the 30 Rock version. Uh, concrete bunghole where dreams are made up. There's nothing you can do. I don't like any song that uses the word bunghole. Absolutely not. There is that. Um, admit, admittedly, I love Jay's part on this. I equally and unrelatedly love the Alicia Keys solo version as much. They are two totally different records. And it's such an incredible song, and it's such a beautiful tribute to New York, and she sings about the city in a way that's so real. Jonah, you're from New York, so was this song something that, like, everybody just belted? Not only did everyone belt this song, this song was played on a loop for, like, I can't tell you how many months. Uh, I also believe the song became the official song for the New York Yankees. So, again, it was played, like, this is, I don't know if it was played as much around the United States, as it was in New York, this song literally just dominated every radio station for however long it did. And it's a little impressive, and also it was really just annoying. Not that I don't like the song, but when you play it that much, you kind of lose value to it. I, I totally get it. It can only be the concrete jungle where dreams are made of so many times before it's overgrown and the dreams are crushing you with their... Oppre- I, don't, I don't have a joke. Okay, moving on. So then, um, in 2010... <laughs> Pink scored a number one with Raise Your Glass, December 15th, 2010. Uh, Kevo and I were gearing up for our wedding the next year. We were getting really excited. And I got to be honest with you, this song was one that I would hear sometimes. And I had absolutely no idea what the hell I was listening to. There's just like parts of it that's sticking out in my head that like, I don't know, it's like sing, sang, oh, hot dang. I don't know. I I know those aren't the lyrics, but I don't actually know it. Uh, I I know that she says, what the dillio? And I know that she goes, raise your glass. And I have this really specific memory of an out of control drunk person screaming it at a karaoke night. I I have this really specific memory and it it was just nothing I wanted and it was everything I hated and it ruined this song for me that was already not my favorite Pink song. Kevo. Jonah, does anybody have anything to say about Raise Your Glass? Well, it's no, I'm coming up, so you better get this party started. Jonah, do you have any relationship with Pink, Pink's music, this song? Uh, I'm actually really, like, out of all the artists that are featured on this list, Pink is the one I'm most shocked to see, and the only reason why I'm saying that is because, from what I know right now, Pink has been, I guess, so, I don't want to say out of the loop, but she hasn't had something that's dominated. Like, I believe 2010 was like almost a year of Pink, where she had a lot of really tops, a lot of top songs that just kind of were always in a little bit of a circulation. So I'm a little bit surprised. I'm, it's just weird. I think one of the things that's important to remember about Pink is that Pink actually started around the same time as Destiny's Child. Pink had an album out when we were in middle school. So Pink's just had an incredibly long career that's covered so many different genres. It's kind of unavoidable that she would have a number one in this list with so many of these major artists appearing. Well, from Pink, who's had an incredibly varied career, to another artist with an incredibly varied career, 
The next two years in a row, on December 15th, the same artist held the number one position, and that's Rihanna. In 2011, she held the number one position with We Found Love, which was the duet with Calvin Harris, who I believe wrote the song. And in 2012, on December 15th, she had a number one with Diamonds, which was written for her by Sia. So Rihanna had two very different songs, one year apart in the number one position. Jonah, tell me, what do you think about Rihanna? Uh, I love Rihanna. Riri is the one celebrity. I admire her so much because part of it, she does do good things as a celebrity, but I also just admire that she really doesn't care about anybody. She never sets herself up to be a role model. She never said she is a role model. She kind of just does what she wants and she makes really banging music. And I really respect that about that about her. I do think it's also interesting that it's Calvin Harris and Sia that are the people behind these songs, because both of them are producing and songwriting powerhouses that have managed to also be very famous. So these songs, while they were performed by Rihanna, also represent uh, kind of the a little bit the best of two other artists as well. And considering these songs were 2011 and 2012, by today's standards, ancient. They certainly have been influencing it for quite a while. Kevo and or Jonah, other than the fact that I haven't said that Rihanna sings like an asshole yet, is there more <laughs> to s- I, you know, I actually think Work is one of the best songs of the last, I don't know, however many years, whenever that song came out. I thought that song was phenomenal. And I think Diamonds is one of those songs that proves why Sia is an incredible songwriter and shaper of music. Does anybody else have anything on We Found Love or Diamonds before we move on to a song that's secretly connected to Rihanna? No, I just think they were cute songs. I just appreciate that these two songs show a little bit of the versatility of Rihanna as an artist. They're two completely different styles of songs that still just prove that she can sing well and she makes good music. Now, to an artist who stole a Rihanna song. When Miley Cyrus first heard We Can't Stop, it was for Rihanna. And she said, nope, I want it. And if you listen to it, you can actually hear that Miley Cyrus is doing a Rihanna impression on that record. Oh, totally. So it's actually really funny that this was the follow-up single to that, Wrecking Ball, which I do believe was a little bit bigger than We Can't Stop. Wrecking Ball was the first song where the world said, oh, shit, Miley Cyrus is a performer. I think this song holds up really well. This is probably one of my favorite songs on this whole list. I think the controversy surrounding herself and Liam Hemsworth definitely helped fuel the excitement behind this single as well. And that love story is still going because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, they're currently engaged. Yeah, they're back on. So this is one of those things where media is an evolving thing that always comes back to the formula that the writers put together. Jonah, tell me, uh, Wrecking Ball was definitely an an emotionally tumultuous song at a point in your life that I'm sure was emotionally tumultuous. Uh, Wrecking Ball, I absolutely love this song. I think this song has beautiful lyrics and like just the meaning of the song itself i think is outstanding and i I love listening to miley sing uh this song is so interesting because this was around the like i talk about a lot how disney influenced about the music i listened to and the tv shows i watched this is coming after hannah montana what i knew miley cyrus as as this kitty pop singer and seeing her transition into breaking away from that image and how it really affected her and how she felt like she had to do something drastic about her image to get people to listen and for her to say, I'm a performer, I'm not a Disney singer. I admittedly do tend to give Miley a pass as I root for her. However, I am not particularly famous for giving this next artist a break, and this is definitely my least favorite song on this list. 
in 2014, on December 15th, the number one song in the country was Blank Space by Taylor Swift, which is, in my opinion, one of the most nothing songs I have ever heard. Uh, my opinion on Taylor Swift is well known, and I have no further need to say anything, so I am going to um, abdicate myself from this one. Kevo, Jonah, talk to me. I successfully avoided listening to Blank Space until it was necessary for this podcast. I have similar opinions of Taylor Swift. A lot of her songs, I try to hate the artist, love the art, because some of her songs are really cute and fun, and it is just, it is music, but her message is something I can't really get behind. Uh, Taylor Swift is an interesting artist. I had a friend who was was obsessively, obsessively in love with her. It's really interesting to see the brand she cultivated for herself i think blake space is an okay song watching her perform it live it was bad so in 2015 adele had the number one single on december 15th with hello the lead single from 25 adele's um one and only was one of our wedding songs at our wedding i love adele i've made that very clear on this show i don't have more to say about her but i'm happy to listen to you boys Mm, white people love adele everyone loves adele uh, I love Adele. I think Adele is a phenomenal performer. Uh, I think the song was amazing. Uh, it was. This is a song that was just kind of like everywhere. It's just a really great song. I can listen to Adele sing anything. I can listen to Adele talk about anything for hours. I there's not much more to say than other than I think Adele is amazing. In 2015 and 2016, the number one song on December 15th, I would have to say, was one of the most memed songs from Hello by Adele to Black Beatles, which I think was in every YouTube video and every Vine for a solid four months. Would that be a a fair statement? I would say it's fair. Yeah, this song was literally unavoidable. It covered every surface of the world, and it actually fell from the number one spot and then reclaimed it later on. It's a song with a groove, and any song with a groove is always a fun thing, but I always kind of think of grooves more for summer than winter, because a groove in winter just kind of bums me out. But Jonah, this song was much more about your demo at the time. Black Beatles must have been even more everywhere for you. Yeah, um, this is... We're now getting to the point where I stop listening to mainstream what's on the radio to discovering different artists and things that I uh, like myself but um this song it's this was another song that's just unavoidable it's like a common thing about a lot of these top songs a lot of them are unavoidable and you were going to hear it at one point or another you're we're going to uh encounter it and you're gonna you're gonna have to listen to it especially when so many people used it oh my god for me this song is a song that I couldn't avoid, but I didn't know anything about till all of a sudden it was everywhere. On December 15th, 2017, the number one song was Rockstar by Post Malone featuring 21 Savage. This was the only song I had to look up. Ultimately, I did recognize it and was familiar with the song. Uh, I didn't really anything this song. Didn't love it, didn't dislike it. It was definitely a shift. I feel that there was kind of a consistency in sort of this kind of like mellow pop running through the last number of songs, Diamonds, Wrecking Ball, Blank Space, Hello, uh, even Black Beatles, even though I said it kind of had a groove. This was kind of a shift from that for me. This was a little heavier. What did you guys think? I'm not super familiar with this one, to be honest. And Jonah, I believe you said you tapped out of pop music. Oh, uh, yeah, this is at the point where I tapped out. And it's when you get into the popularity of mumble rap, 
it's where I'm like, nope, you lost me. I, this is this is popular now. I feel <laughs> I feel so stereotypically like uh, how the TV shows and movies portray older people. Like this is what they're playing. What's this racket? That's how I feel. I know who Post Malone is. I know who Twenty One Savage is. I just don't know this song. To break in, I think one of the things about you know saying, oh, this is what they're listening. To. Screaming German death metal. I literally don't understand it. I, I, it doesn't even sound appealing to me. So I get wanting to say a genre has conventions that doesn't do it for you, but it also doesn't make you old. Mumble rap isn't the first genre that's hard to understand what people are saying in a in a consistently difficult way. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to thank you for taking this journey into the past with me on uh, Now and Again. Guys, uh, until you're here next time, Jonah, where can your fans find you other than on Access for Podcast? Besides Access for Podcast, you can follow me over at Twitter and Instagram at Jonah Rubino and at Jonah.Rubino, respectively. And Kevo, other than Access for Podcast and MCU.HTML, where can your fans find you? Uh, you can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at Kevo Reilly and uh, Tumblr as well, assuming that's still up. And as always, you can find Kevo and I both at KidRiotComics.com making our awesome superhero comic about an inclusive team of superheroes going out of their way to keep the streets safe. You can check out my music project at Facebook.com slash ActionDuo where I make fun-ass throwback R&B. And you can check me out on Instagram at NicoAction. Guys, until next time, like Chris would say, catch you on the flip. Uh, <laughs> 